0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Look, today we're talking about this: how to transform a terrible life into a blessed life. And I know there's people that get like in despair, like it's impossible. Like you're, you're so far down a path that you can't come back. Let me encourage you. There is never any issue. You might be watching this and be like, I don't have a terrible life, but there are things about your life or family or whatever it might be that you're not happy with, that you're not satisfied with. You know that God has better for you than where you are right now. And that should be all of us, absolutely. Uh, we're not at our final destination yet. God's got more. So, you might not look at your life and say, I got a terrible life. But you, some of you may look at it and say, you know, I've got some things I'm not happy with yet. Things that I'm believing will change. Things that I'm believing I can get a breakthrough in that area. That's what today's about. How to transform a life. Things that you are uh, believing for better in that area. How to see them transformed. So that it takes you into the place where God would have you to be very important. And as you saw in the title, I'm going to give you seven keys to making that happen. Because again, that's what this broadcast is about. These things are never random. They don't randomly happen. You have to take steps. You got to take steps of faith to see things change, to see things happen. And so I want to give you seven. It's not going to take all day for me to do it but I'm gonna walk you through it. How to transform a terrible life. Is that how we titled it? Terrible into a blessed life, into a blessed life. And so I want to give you these kind of one by one. And obviously I don't think I have to say this, you guys know this already, but I'm, I'm hoping that we can just, this is an understood foundation that you gotta be saved. (laughs) I mean, I'm not gonna list that as one of the seven because obviously there's no way to transform your life into a blessed life if you're not even serving Jesus. So obviously I'm not gonna teach on that one. That should be an understood foundational principle for anybody watching this broadcast that if you wanna have a blessed life, you gotta be connected to Jesus Christ first and foremost. And so uh, I'm not gonna teach on that, but of course you know it. But we want to give you these seven and I I want to walk you through it from the scripture and talk about why these things will transform you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And I think the first one, I'm sure many of you could guess even what it is, but uh, number one, we've got to talk about this once again, and that is we have got to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's number one. You need to put it in the comments. <laughs> Sergeant Frank sends the birthday greetings. That would be great if we could get that and do the call while she's driving. Um, led by the Holy spirit. Number one, you've got to be led by the Holy spirit. I have seen people miss out on what God has for them simply because they're not led by the spirit. And it's one of two things. Okay. It's one of two things, either they're not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit because of carnality, flesh has taken over or they hear it, but they don't obey it. That's an even more dangerous place to be because that's a full rejection of God's instruction, which you could categorize as sin. It's a full rejection of God's instruction. Um, my, My grandfather knew a preacher. And I've told this story it bears repeating. My grandfather knew a preacher who, um, the Lord spoke to him. Now this was before the Vietnam war. This was before the Vietnam war, spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Vietnam and hold a revival and revival will break out in that nation. And you'll have, you know, th- things will change. And, uh, the man said, I don't know anybody in Vietnam. I don't have connections there. I don't even have the money, the finances to go. And do what, what what you're asking me to do. That's not for me. And so he put it off. And he put it off. And he put it off. And did not do it. And the Lord kept on telling him, Go to Vietnam, hold a revival. Uh, the power of God will hit the, the nation and you'll have a, a move of the Spirit. And he kept on saying, No, I don't know people there. I don't have the money to go there. So ignored the leading of the Holy Ghost. And then later the Vietnam War broke out. Many died, many Americans died. And after the Vietnam War, the man finally made his move and went to Vietnam uh, to preach. And when he got there, he saw a woman who came up to him kind of uh, amazed. And she said, where have you been? And he said, what are you talking about? I've ne- I, you, don't, I don't, you don't know me. I don't know you. I've never been here. She said, where have you been? She said, we've been waiting for you. And he's looking at her kind of confused, like waiting for me. You don't, you're you're confused. You don't know me. I've never been to Vietnam. She said, yeah, the Lord showed you to us in a vision. We saw you and the Lord told us you were coming and we raised all of the mon- the money, the funds we, we prepared. We were ready for revival. We were ready for crusades. She said, and you never came and you never came and he would travel around after this experience, this preacher would travel around and he would preach, don't fail God like I did. Don't fail God like I did. What happened? He heard the voice of the spirit, but he never obeyed or stepped out by faith to uh, act on the voice of the Holy Spirit. He later said that he felt in his spirit that if he would have done, what the Lord asked him to do, and revival truly did break out in that nation, that uh, it would have so affected the nation that the Vietnam War maybe never would have taken place. It's amazing to think what God could have done if that man had obeyed the Lord. And I'm telling you, that woman, yeah, I know what you mean, Mike, it hits me every time too, and you never came. I don't ever wanna be in the place where the Lord has spoken to me to do something And I don't step out. And so as a result, things are missing that should have been there. There's a move of God. People aren't touched that should have been touched. And I don't ever want that to be my story nor your story. And so number one, the baseline thing is that we have to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. How do you do that? Well, obviously his sheep hear his voice. What is the thing that keeps us? from being sensitive to the Holy spirit. It could only be our flesh. The devil cannot keep us from hearing the voice of God. That's an impossibility. The devil cannot keep us from hearing the voice of almighty God. We are directly connected to the Lord by the indwelling Holy spirit. And he speaks and we can hear his voice. So what could keep us? from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is that carnal nature, that flesh nature. This is why uh, it is something that Jesus expected for a purpose, that his followers would spend time fasting and praying, not just praying, but there should be times throughout your year of fasting and praying. Why? Because it silences the flesh. It moves the flesh nature out of the way. It crucifies the flesh so that the spirit man that is in us can be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're not controlled by the carnal nature. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter five, if we'll walk by the spirit, then we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Thank you, Nancy. So we know that Paul wrote to the Romans, Romans 8, 14. Uh, those that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Those that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so every child of God, not only does God want them to be filled with the spirit, he wants them to be led by the spirit, to be led by the spirit. So that's number one. We've got, if we're going to transform a terrible life into a blessed life, it's got to be by the leading of the Holy ghost because Remember this, the Holy Spirit is never going to lead you into failure. He's never going to cause you to diminish when you obey His voice. That's not His plan. He doesn't take you down, He takes you up. He doesn't take you into destruction, He doesn't drag you into problems and crisis, He takes you into victory. We go from grace unto grace, from victory unto victory, from faith unto faith. The path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. We're not called to diminish. We're called to increase. And the voice of the Holy Spirit is the navigation that takes us there. That's number one. Number two, the second thing we need to do if we're going to transform a terrible life into a blessed life is to eliminate the approval of all people. Number two is big. I've got to, in my own mind, in my own spirit, I've got to eliminate my desire to receive approval from all people. This is, this is something people get hung up on. They always are looking for the approval of men, the approval of women, the approval of family, the approval of those. I don't need the approval of people if I have the approval of God. Do you know how much easier life gets when you realize you only have to live it to please one person? And if that one person is pleased with you, it does not matter who is displeased with you. doesn't matter. The wicked could be angry. I mean, there's all, all kinds of different things that could be uh, true, but if God's pleased with your life, it doesn't matter who's displeased. So you've got to eliminate your desire for the approval of men and women have to do it. Um, I mentioned a book yesterday that I I may have lost viewers because of, but it's funny that, that sinners understand this. See, there's somebody in the comments that has no idea. We, we dealt with that very verse yesterday, Matt Anderson, uh, but many of the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah. Read the rest of the verse, but the Lord delivers them out of them all out of them all. And so it's important to understand that when you are always searching for approval, then your joy, your peace, all of that is based on whether or not people are approving of your life. People are approving of your actions. And I dealt with this book yesterday and it's funny that sinners get this. Sinners get this. But for some reason, Christians fail to get this lesson. And this this guy, Mark Manson, He wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Care. I'm editing that there. But it's funny that that's a business book being sold on the New York Times bestseller list for business people and those that are entrepreneurs, learning how to not care. How to not care. Matt, you need to just stick around this channel for a while and learn. You will be greatly blessed and you'll, you'll, you'll actually step up into a greater level of victory in your life. If you just stick around and listen, you will get it. Cause I teach on this all the time, all the time. And we're glad to have you here, but it's blow. It blows my mind that sinners understand this and Christians don't get it. Christians don't get it. There are Christians that are still basing everything they do on whether somebody will approve of it or not approve of it. You have to let go of that. We don't do things for the approval of men or women. We do things for the approval of the Lord. I sat down with the greatest evangelist that's ever lived. And I'm talking numbers. We're talking numbers by actual soul count, right? Soul count. Uh, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, who's now in heaven, has, you know, in the last, what, 15 years of his ministry, saw like 80 million souls saved, 80 million. (laughs) And I've, I've gone into depth about how they're, they're very careful about those numbers. It's not exaggerated. They don't just count by, you know, estimation. They count cards. They count people they can follow up on 80 million salvations. If you are ever interested, go online and just search his crusades. In fact, just YouTube evangelism in Nigeria. Watch that video and weep as you see God using him to bring millions to Jesus. In one night in Nigeria, they had 1.03 million people come to the altar, not in attendance, come to the altar. And so I sat down with this man. We were at lunch uh, and his office is in Orlando before he passed away. I was there with my father, my mother, my wife was there. And he said something so very crucial, and I want you to get it. He said something so very crucial because you think I'm sure there's a lot of people that were, that, that disapproved of his ministry, that disapproved of his, um, uh, his methods or whatever, you know, they didn't like him. I'm sure there were, but he kept on going and doing what the Lord told him to do. And the question was asked, you know, how do you not worry about this approval type thing that we're talking about? Part number two, you know what he said? That was a life changer for me. He said, speaking of the people, speaking of those that are watching you, those that are talking about you, Dr. Bunke said, if their praise can't build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. That right there is a life lesson. You need to write that down. If their praise can't build me up, then their criticism can't tear me down. That needs to be into the, in the spirit of every believer living on the earth. If the praise of people can't build me up, then the criticism of people can't tear me down. That, that needs to be like tattooed on your spirit, man. Because how many people get disheartened and destroyed when people turn on them, and begin to talk about them, talk badly about them, Talk behind their back, spread rumors about them, gossip about them, all these different things, confront them. How, how often do people get destroyed by that? Well, I was hurt in church. How were you hurt? Well, somebody said something about me. All right, shake it off. Shake it off. If their praise can't build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. What's up, Mike? You understand? If somebody, so if I would keep doing what I'm doing. Even if people were coming against me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. Now, obviously you're never going to have a time where every single person in the world is coming against you. There's going to be always people for you, but you, you don't think I have people that come against me. You don't think I have people that write. I got excited by the time I started finding my name on false prophets lists on, on the internet for, for years, there was none of that. And I was discouraged. Then I finally found my name on a couple false prophets list and got very excited. I don't even claim to be an actual prophet. I'm an evangelist. So to be accurate, they would have to put me on the false evangelist list. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't claim to be a prophet. And so <laughs> I got all excited. Cause I was like, finally making people mad enough that they pop you on the false prophets list. Um. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, you've really made it if you've made it onto Justin Peters' YouTube channel. Oh man. And, and I'm just telling you, I read that stuff. It doesn't bother me. I had a guy one time, let me tell you back when I was doing some of y'all will remember this back when I was doing like those three to five minute videos, uh, on YouTube where I would just pop up a topic, cover it in three to five minutes and move on. I had a guy now keep in mind my videos. My videos are like three and at the most, six and a half minutes long, right? Three to six and a half minutes, very short. I had a guy one time take one of my videos and did a response video to my video. My video was like five minutes. His response video to my video was like 70 minutes. (laughs) He went on for an, over an hour. I mean, I guess he was short on content, but over an hour and just went on and on and on about my video. And so, you, you know, do you think I get that and say, I can't believe that I'm quitting these videos. I don't know why I do it. No. Love you, Letty. No, it doesn't discourage me. People come at me from every direction. They could talk about me. They could, you know, whatever they want to say. That doesn't bother me. It's not going to stop me from doing what God's called me to do. You can't depend on the approval of men and women. No. And especially when you understand um, that you have spiritual leaders God's placed in your life right now, if uh, somebody that I consider to be one of the spiritual leaders in my life pulled me aside and said, Hey, we need to talk about this. We need to discuss this doctrine that you're preaching, or we need to discuss something that you're doing. That's a whole nother story, because obviously we are submitted to spiritual leadership and we should be. We should be submitted to spiritual leadership. Nobody's a lone ranger in the body of Christ. There should be spiritual leadership in your life. And if they speak to you, now, what's the difference? Now, these are people that I have relationship with that I know love me and love my family and love my ministry and want to see the best for me, want to see me accomplish God's purpose in my life. So I will obviously receive differently from them than I would some troll on the internet that uh, is just there to blow up the comments section and attack my character, attack whatever they may attack. I'm gonna receive those two things differently. And I'm not receiving from those people that love me because I'm I'm looking for their approval and I need their approval on everything I do but I'm doing it to be scripturally accurate that we have people that can impart to us, that can teach us, that can train us, that can uh, hold us accountable. It's a whole different story than looking for approval to continue doing what God's called you to do. And if you wanna transform uh, a a terrible life into a blessed life, the second thing you've gotta do is eliminate your desire for the approval of others. Especially uh, if you're, if you're, very got thin skin and you wear your feelings on your sleeve and you're worried in this culture about what people may think about you in culture, in society, you are on a train for destruction, my friend, because you're never going to please the spirit of this world. Never. It's not going to happen. There are going to be people, The in fact, Jesus prophesied this, you will be hated all over the world for my name's sake. you'll be hated. Absolutely you will. So don't uh, don't uh, allow people to destroy your, your, your joy and your victory, right? Stephen asked a question, What if God is saying something different than what the spiritual leader is saying? everything is judged back to the written word of God. No matter what's being said, it has to line up with the Bible, with sound doctrine. That's why we have a standard. That's why we have the scripture so that nobody's opinion takes precedent over the written word of God. So no matter Uh, if you believe God is speaking to you, he'll never say something to you that contradicts his word. And if a spiritual leader is speaking to you, you always judge what they say based upon the written word of God. No spiritual leader's voice is more powerful or takes a higher precedent than God's written word. This is the standard. And so um, you have to be led by the spirit, yes, But it is wise to listen to the counsel, right? It's wise to listen to the counsel of spiritual leaders who love you and that have been tasked with your spiritual development. It's wise to listen to counselors, especially those that have been in it longer than you have. And especially for those that are producing more fruit than you are. It's, it's wise to listen, to not talk a lot and to listen more. And so, and and the Bible actually says that be slow to speak right? Slow to speak. We're quick to listen. And so, but we're not, we're not looking for the approval of all that that'll lead you to destruction. Number three, the third thing to transform one of those terrible lives. People say, I just, I can't stand waking up every day. I just hate going. Number three, do what God has given you a love for. Do what God has given you a love for. If you don't like where you're at, change it, change it. God's not calling you to go through life, hating everything. He, if God has given you a task, he will empower you with a love for that task. I can't imagine being a preacher. God's called me into full-time ministry, ministry, to preach, to travel, to minister to those that are sick, minister to those that are depressed, minister to those in need, call the the unsaved to into the kingdom of God and hating every minute. I can't believe I got to go travel again. I can't believe I got to preach again. I can't believe I got to lay hands on the sick. I can't, I can't imagine that because if God has called you to it, he's placed a love in you for it. And if you're not doing what God has called you to do, you need to discover what he is calling you to do and quickly transition into it quickly transition into it why do people waste their life doing things god didn't ask them to do and hating it why would they do that i don't people set their own lives up to be sucky you know it's like my cousin and i were talking about how there's actual ministers that don't want to go into the offices of their churches and ministries because they don't like the people that work for them you hired them you hired them (laughs) if you're upset about it Change it, have a talk with them or let them go and hire somebody that can do the same job but brings you joy. I love everybody on our team. Love being around them. We just got to all be together uh, at the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend at the banquet, at the service, and I was in heaven getting to be around all my teams. And have everybody in the same place. I love hanging with every one of them. I would do it until three, four in the morning. You know. I didn't I didn't have anything to do. They were all just putting together uh centerpieces for the for the table. I didn't have any part of that job, but I still I, I just went in the room and hung out and, and, and was in there with everybody while they were putting together centerpieces and Carolyn and Tiffany and Jen and everybody was in there. And I just went and sat and they just let watched them do it and fell asleep. I just want to be around the team. I love the team. I can't imagine having a team that I can't stand being around or that I don't have a compassion for, or a life doing things that I can't stand doing. What a ridiculous way to spend your life. Do what God has given you a love for. Many times that's a clue in discerning what God has called you to do because you feel a burden to change it, a burden to work towards that goal, a burden to minister in that way. It just blows my mind that people would spend their entire life doing things they hate and then being all bent out of shape about it. I can't believe we've got to go to work again. If I could, oh, I wish I was a longer weekend. I, I hate Mondays. I don't hate Mondays. I love Mondays. I love every day. No day to me is like, I can't believe it's Monday. I never feel that way. It's like, oh, the weekend's over. I got to go back in and do a broadcast. I got to go back in and shoot television. I got to go back in and write, and I got to go back in and produce. I got to go back. I don't ever feel that way. I get excited. Every day I'm happy about. Every day I'm happy about. Why? I'm doing what God has given me a love for. Amen. And I love it. I love it. Do what God has called you to do, do what He's given you a love for. Amen. Even if at this moment, you can't make it your main career, step out in faith, make it a a far more than part-time hobby, (laughs) but don't keep your calling your hobby. I said that yesterday. That's a mistake. If God's called you to do something, go all in at it. Go, you know, I'll tell you an interesting statistic that I read recently that blew my mind. They were polling people about working a job that they didn't like versus working a job that they loved. And they found that the average person would take a massive pay cut to work a job that they loved working. Meaning, the average person would take, and I think the number was up to 35 to 40% pay cut, to stop working at a job that stressed them out that they hated, to go do something that they loved. Imagine that. There are people, the average person, would rather quit the job that brings them stress, even though they make more money, and go work a job that they loved, making less money because of the feeling of doing the thing that they enjoy doing. That's mind-blowing, man. But it shows you how powerful it is when you're doing something that you love to do. Look at that. Christine said, I've done that. Dylan said, I think it was 40%. I I think it was too. And that's amazing. Almost a, almost half of your pay. You're willing to give up almost half of your pay to go do something that you love to do. That is a mind blowing thing, but that see that shows you how much people prioritize joy and peace. I'd rather have the joy and the peace than I would go deal with this junk every day and hate the, hate having to come back from the weekend. Dave Condon said, I did that. A human said, I did that. Look at that. Mike Frost, I did that. Bethany Hooker, I took a 100% pay cut (laughs) to do what she loved. You see, and so I want you to see it. Do what God's given you a love for the whole, your whole life changes. I'll tell you another interesting statistic that, that goes along with this. It's pretty cool um, you know, you hear the phrase money can't buy happiness. That's not really true. They've done studies on this. That's not really true. Money can buy a certain amount of happiness, but what they found when doing the study is that, uh, money can only buy you happiness up to a certain economic status. And that, that, uh, that, uh, area that's covered is all the things that you would need to have a safe and uh and a um not just safe but uh i guess provided for style life where you're not uh going hungry every night you're not having to find a place you got no um you got no roof over your head you've got no clothes on your back your kids are hurting you can't keep the electric on all that stuff um it's, it's really interesting that they found that when people don't have those things. Yes, security. There we go. Thank you, Corey. When people don't have those things that bring security, a roof over their head, food to eat, clothes on their back, keep the electricity, the bills paid, you know, all that stuff, kids taken care of, you know, if they don't have that, it does obviously take a massive hit on their happiness and on their joy so to that degree money does buy happiness but what they found was and I thought it would be much more it was a it was a I don't remember off the top of my head but the number was not high it was like once you pass like a hundred and seventy thousand dollars of income household income annually which hundred and seventy thousand dollars although it's far above the median household income it's not like you're not like a multimillionaire, you're not like a movie star Like, you know, $100,000, $150,000 is not a lot of money. So if you you pass that, according to the study, once they've passed like 150 grand household income, it it makes no change, makes no change whatsoever in the happiness, peace, security of a household. There is zero difference in the psychological makeup of a person who's making 150 grand between and somebody's making $1.5 million. Do you think multimillionaires don't get divorced? Yeah, of course they do. You don't think they get depressed. Anthony Bourdain hung himself. And was on international television, probably had the best job you can have. He just traveled around the world, stayed in five star hotels and ate at the best restaurants in every city in the world. And then did a, a television show about it. How does your life get easier than that? It doesn't get easier to get paid tons of money to stay in nice hotels and eat nice food and then talk about what it was like. And he hung himself. You think people that are millionaires don't have issues with their children? Of course they do. You don't think they have problems in their bodies? Of course they do. And so it, that what they found, and this is not with Christians, is with anybody that once they passed that realm of about 150, that it didn't make any psychological change whatsoever. So, you know, what, what people find is if you're taken care of, that's why Paul said, be content, be content, which we're going to get to in a moment. Uh, be content and I'll jump into it next. Number four, be content, be content. It doesn't mean we're not pushing for more. We're pushing. God's got better. There is increase, but where you are right now, be content. It, this is a hard thing to explain to people because it almost sounds like you're disagreeing with yourself. Like, I believe God has more for me, I'm pushing for that more, I'm believing for that more, but I'm happy with where he's placed me right now. Very happy, very happy. And godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. God doesn't want you in greed, God doesn't want you in lust for things. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I don't love money, I don't love things. See, we develop the kind of heart, That if God told us to give anything we have away, see, I've learned this. Once everything means nothing, God can give you anything. Put that in the comments. Once everything means nothing, God can give you anything. Once everything means nothing, God can give you anything. I noticed when watches, which I love watches, but when watches started to mean nothing to me, God started entrusting me with very nice watches. I noticed once I started caring about certain, you know, clothes or whatever, whatever it was when I was younger, God could trust me with anything. And I started getting blessed abundantly. Once everything means nothing, God can give you anything. Why? Because he knows you won't serve it. He knows you won't love it over him or put it over him, Right. Everything has to become nothing to you. Everything has to become nothing. Money doesn't mean anything. Clothes don't mean anything. Cars don't mean anything. Like, I think about that now. And you know, it's like, it's easy to say that when you have... But see, I lost the love before I had the nicest things. That's the thing. That's what I'm telling you. (laughs) I've stayed in some of the crappiest places in America... And I've also stayed in some of the very nicest places in America. And I mean the very nicest. I live in one of the nicest places in America. I live in a very nice home, drive a very nice car. But you have to learn that those things don't mean anything. Like, you know, the car I have now, I was just as happy driving a 2013 Ford Expedition extended as I am driving an Escalade. Just as happy. It makes it's a thing. It's a thing. I mean, you have to learn to make things mean nothing to you. I had a 2013 Ford Expedition with 175,000 miles on it. Still ran great for the most part. It's time to get rid of it. It's time to get rid of it. It's just nice having no car payment. Time to get rid of it. But the, it's not, it's a thing. I was I was in a service with Dr. Rodney. And I, I was in a place where I was like really enjoying sneakers and stuff. Dylan's funny. And I I I'd gotten on this kick to buy uh, Jordans. You've heard me tell the story. Had all these Jordans dead stock in the box. You know, beautiful. Maybe it weren't dead stock, I'd worn them once or twice. But you know, like 14 or 15 pairs of of Jordans, some of them $500, $600 pairs. And I had like 15, 14 15 pairs. And um, I got to the place where I was sitting in a service and the Lord said to me, what are you gonna do with all those shoes? You can only wear one pair at a time. What are you gonna do with all those? Now I was walking in overflow. It's not about not having overflow. I've got overflow. But I sat there and thought, the Lord's right. What am I gonna do with all those shoes? And the Lord said, what are you gonna do? Tear down your barns and build bigger barns? Rebuke me from the scripture. And I said, oh man, you ain't gonna catch me like that. And I called uh, minister Reese at our church here. And I said, hey, Reese, grab everybody. In the church that you know, every young man that wears a size 12 shoe, cause I'm coming back to preach Wednesday and when I come back, get them ready cause it's gonna be like an Air Jordan buffet in the back room. And they can have whatever they want. I brought all the boxes in. I think I just kept one box in my closet. I brought all the rest in, laid them all out. He brought the young men in. I said, take what you want. If they fit you, take them, just take them. Doesn't cost you a thing. And just gave them away. Why? Because nothing's gonna hold me nothing's going to hold me. Nothing's going to hold me. Yeah. So that's just shoes. Yeah. It's just shoes. <laughs> Probably about seven, $8,000 worth of shoes, but yes, it's shoes, you know, and you think to yourself, well, that's just shoes. Yeah. But what if it was a car? What if it was a Rolex? What, you know, what, what holds you see? Be content with what you have things. What you find quickly is things don't change you. Things don't, even money doesn't change you. People say money changes people. Money doesn't change anybody. Money just amplifies what you already are. It just amplifies. If you were a jerk before you got money, you're a bigger jerk when you got money. Why? I do. Dylan, don't mock me. I do wear Crocs. I do wear Crocs. People are like, now he wears Crocs. I wear Crocs. I got a nice navy blue pair of Crocs that I can wear with suits and ties. Navy blue goes with pretty much anything. I'll tell you what. I was preaching at uh, Boomerang Church a couple of, uh, a couple of um, winters ago, and I was just around the, around the house there that we had rented before we went to church that night, and I was going to wear a sport coat and jeans to church, but man, it was cold out because it was January, and it was North Carolina, so it might have even been a little, a little bit snowy, and uh, I had my, what did I have on? I had my, uh, Ugg, my Ugg slippers, the ones that go all the way around your foot like a shoe. I had my Ugg slippers on. I was like, you know what? I'm comfortable, man. I'm not changing. (laughs) I'm not changing for church. And it was like, it didn't even match because I had on like black jeans, a black shirt, and like a dark sport coat, and my like light brown camel colored Ugg slippers with the white fur poking out the top. (laughs) And I preached in my camel colored Ugg slippers at Boomerang Church. I just was like, you know what? It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. Who cares? Who cares? You better put some nice shoes on. They were nice to me, they were nice and warm. <laughs> Once everything means nothing, God can give you anything. Don't let things mean so much to you. Be content. Doesn't, now listen, again, it doesn't mean we don't understand God has more. Doesn't mean that we're not pressing for the greater, pressing for increase, sowing towards increase, believing for increase. But I'll get there. Today I'm here. I'll get there. Today it doesn't mean I don't have urgency to press for it. I'll get there. But today I'm here. I want you to write that phrase right there in the comments. Today I'm here. Today I'm here. And thank God for where you are today. Thank God for the blessings you have today. Amen. Today I'm here, put it in the comments. That means contentment. Number five, if you want to turn it around, be a blessing to others. There is no, I'm going to be very honest with you. I've learned this. There is no greater joy than being a blessing to other people. I love. So bless other people. I love it. Am I rubbing? I'm popping. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Turn that over a little bit. Uh, I love blessing other people. Love it. I love to watch people's faces when I bless them. I love to buy stuff for people. I love to uh, surprise people. I love to bless them. One of the things that is just mind-blowing, if you will just make your life a blessing to others you watch how your joy your blessing grows through the roof have you ever <laughs> have you ever just gone to the grocery store have you ever done this have you ever just gone to the grocery store and paid for all the person's groceries behind you have you ever done that watch their face people don't even know how to receive it like blows my mind they're like what why would you do it no 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 why would you do that people don't know how to receive they've never been taught I'm laughing because I saw somebody post a meme. (laughs) It still makes me laugh. The meme said, I want to thank whoever was in front of me at Starbucks in the line this morning for paying for my drink. And I want to say sorry to the person behind me. (laughs) I did not pay it forward. (laughs) Do it. Just bless somebody for no reason and watch their face blessing others. What does, what did Jesus say? Paul was speaking to the Ephesian elders, uh, in Acts chapter 20. What did he do when he recounted the words of Jesus? It is more blessed to give than to receive the amplified. It is more blessed, makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. Catch that. Catch that. It makes one happier and more to be envied to give than to receive. That's the words of Jesus that they were recounting. And so what does that mean? Yes, it's great to receive, but an even greater level is to give. Be a blessing to other people make up in your mind today. I'm going to be a blessing to somebody today. I'm going to pay for somebody's meal today. I'm just going to go out of my way to bless and watch it's like the joy goes through the roof. It's amazing. Exactly. Ann, I'm with you. Go to the grocery store and get a few $10, $20 gift cards and then just walk up down the aisles and bless people. It's like, it feels good. It feels so good to bless others. Amen. Amen. And you watch people cry. I had a waitress. I was out with Pastor Brian Tomes and uh, I had a waitress came over and she was waiting on us. You could tell she was like running herself ragged, working like three shifts and all this other stuff. And I was like, what's the deal? You're like working like a mad woman. She was like, yeah, you know, I've got this. Um, remember that Brian just logged on. That's funny that you logged on because you haven't been on. I just, just thought of you. My spirit felt you coming. But you remember that Brian, we were at that, uh, Fridays. Um, and we went in and that girl was like running herself ragged. And she had like a student debt to pay off or something. You remember that? And we sat there. Remember, she was like crying by the time we were done. And it was like after a service late at night at a TGI Fridays. And this girl we, was waiting on me and Pastor Brian. And uh, she had like student debt or something to pay off. or her, her tuition was coming due. And we were like, seriously? And we were like, how much is it? And then we just started throwing money down on the table. It was like, I think Steve was there too, Pastor Steve. And we just started throwing this, throwing money down. And she's like, oh my God, are you serious? And we just kept throwing bills down. Throwing bills down until by the time we were done her, I guess it was her tuition or something that we were, it was all paid. It was all paid guarantee. she never had a tip like that before, but man, did it feel good. Man, did it feel good to pay that tuition or debt or whatever it was she had that she told us about. And, um, I'm telling you being a blessing is a whole nother level. Oh yeah. We didn't stop. Brian said we didn't stop till she cried. We didn't stop till she cried for anybody that's logging on afterwards to just context, that comment means we were blessing somebody. (laughs) It's a little odd when someone just comes back and reads, we didn't stop until she cried. (laughs) We were blessing a girl with money in a Fridays and we didn't stop giving her money until she cried. Just to clarify so that I'm not getting a call from Brian Tom's attorney and like we need to bail pastor Brian out of jail. Um, you've confessed. Um, she was weeping. She was weeping as we, as we left and, uh, just thanking us profusely. But you know what? We have overflow from serving the Lord to bless others. And let me tell you something. It feels good. It feels good. It takes your life to another level to bless people, be a blessing to somebody. You know, what, what am I teaching you how to do once you start turning your perspective outward? See the people that always have terrible lives that are always telling you how terrible their life is and how rough life is. They're always inwardly focused. It's always, it's me. When am I going to get blessed? Where's my blessing? How come they're getting blessed? Where's my It's always an inwardly focused thing. Quit that. Start going outwardly and focus on others. Focus on blessing them. Take care of them. Make your life a supernatural blessing to your generation. You're called to be a supernatural blessing to your generation. And so make a decision. I will be a blessing. That's part of our covenant. I will. You're part of the Abrahamic covenant. If you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3.29. What did God say to Abraham? I will bless you. And I will make you a blessing. Amen. So be a blessing. Be a blessing. Let me give you number six and number seven before we pray. Number six, stop comparing yourself to other people. Quit doing that. There is no easier way to become discouraged than to compare yourself to other people. One of the things that I'll do sometimes when I'm preaching live, just to get this point across to people, because you know, from a dis- from a distance, you can always see greener grass, greener pastures on the other side. Everybody can say that, but I may I do this illustration so people can understand the importance of it. People can understand the importance of it, which is what I'll I'll, I'll stand somebody up that's either much smaller than me or much bigger than me. You may have seen me do this in a service before. I'll stand somebody up that's either much bigger than I am or much smaller than I am, and I'll take my jacket, my suit coat off, and I'll put their suit coat on. And if they're much smaller than me, I am restricted. That thing, I look like fat guy in a little coat. But if the person's much bigger than me, that coat drapes over my body like a blanket. And then I'll explain. Now, when this coat was on them, It looked great. Why the coat was tailored for their body. The size was their size and the measurements as the tailor brought the arms up, brought the body in whatever it was tailored to their body custom made. But when I take their blessing and try to put it on me, it doesn't fit me like it fit them. And one of the biggest things that I wish people would realize is if I truly took somebody else's gift or call or purpose or whatever and tried to make it work on me, it would not work for me and in me like it does for them. Why? Because it's not custom tailored to my life. Remember what David said? David went into, uh, the king called him in before fighting Goliath. He said, fine, I'll let you fight him, but you got to wear my armor. What did David say? I can't, I have not tested it. It's not, he would have lost. It's not even his armor. It's not even David's armor. It's the King's. It wouldn't have fit David. David's not the, David was a, a young man. The King was a full grown man. The breastplate wouldn't have fit him. I mean, the helmet, who knows if it would have fit him. It's not his stuff. He'd have been clunky in it. He'd never used it before. It was not his purpose. And that's what I think people do. They see how great it looks on somebody else. And then they say, oh, they start uh, coveting it. I want that for me. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Because what you don't realize is the blessing that they're walking in also comes with the weight and responsibilities of what God's using them to do and accomplish. Uh, you know, it, it was crazy. You think about, I mentioned him earlier. Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, well, you can say, well, I want, I want to have what he has. But the thing is, are you willing to do what he did to get it? Are you willing to do what he did to get it? Would you even be able to carry the weight of what he's doing in the ministry at that time? See, there's a reason why people are in the place they are. God is the one who decides who rises and who falls. Psalm 75 verses six and seven. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord, you see. And so the key here, stop comparing yourself with other people. Be thankful that God called you, purposed you, gave you vision, gave you a task, and then attack it with everything you got. And stop using this. And everybody's Instagram and ministry Instagram and business Instagram and family Instagram to compare how your family looks to their family. And she makes great meals for her family. And I never, I got hamburger helper on the stove. She's a much better mother than I am. Look what she does for her kids at Christmas. Stop comparing yourself to other people and focus on what God's called you to do. It's the paralysis of analysis. Number seven, let me give you the fa- the final one before we pray master yourself now I don't have the time to go through this I did a broadcast I need to make it a book at some point I reference it so often five, five areas of your life that you must master the five areas of your life that you must master it's your spiritual life it's your mental life it's your uh, physical fleshly life it's your financial life and it's your relational life master yourself know yourself have a a gauge on where you're at, have a finger on the pulse of your life. There's people that don't, they think everything is someone's fault. Well, I wouldn't be in this position if he didn't, I wouldn't be like this if she didn't. It's always somebody else's fault. You got to master yourself. That's why self-control is given to you by the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five. And you've heard me say many times. That I believe as a minister, that self-control is the most important of all the gifts or the fruit of the spirit, not love. Although love endures forever, although God is love, although love is the thing that makes your faith work, it's not love. It's self-control because self-control is what allows you to walk in love when your flesh doesn't feel like walking in love. That's why you've gotta have spirit empowered self-control because every fruit of the spirit is a choice, every single one. And if you don't have self-control, you'll never walk in the fruit of the spirit, ever, ever. Caitlin said, I need to listen to that podcast. Do you know when it was? It was a while back, but it was entitled five areas of your life that you must master. If you go back through, that was the title five areas of your life that you must master. And so I I would just search it out. You'll find it. Tiffany may find it before we finish this broadcast, but it's, it's, it's important. And I go through each of the five areas and talk about how do you master your spiritual life? How do you master your mental life? How do you master your physical life? How do you master your financial life? How do you master your relational life? Master yourself, know yourself. And don't let yourself just run rampant, don't throw life into cruise control. The reason that some people are struggling so hardcore is because they've taken no steps to bring control, self-control into their life. And I wanna encourage you that you've gotta take that step. You've got to make a decision. If my life, it's not in God's hands in that way. Do you think God is in control of whether or not you tithe and give, whether or not you walk in love, You think God's in control of how you treat your wife or husband? You think God's in control of how you treat your children? No, none of those things. God has given you a free will to make those choices, to make those choices. We're gonna post a link here for you that you can check out. Uh, Caitlin and whoever else uh, would like to check it out and you'll be able to to see these teachings. Very important, very important. God's not in control of uh, which things that you're doing in faithfulness. We're in control of that and how we respond to his instructions determines where we're going to stand in life, determines where we're going to stand. Are we going to be promoted or not? Are we going to be blessed or not? God's not determining that. We are by our faithfulness and response to his written word. He can't force you to do it. He wants you to step out in faith and obey what he's called you to do. Let me pray for you today. Those of you that are watching, there's the link, by the way, on, uh, both platforms or all platforms. It's a playlist, uh, that you can check out and, and I encourage you to do it too. Uh, there's the YouTube, but you can get it on the podcast as well. Father, I pray for those that are watching today, Lord, we declare it though. The enemy has a plan to destroy us. We thank you that you have a plan to bless us. You have a plan to bring us into victory, never-ending victory. We thank you that the path of the just is never-ending light, increasing light. Proverbs 4.18, we thank you for that. We stand on it. We thank you that you're going to show yourself strong and mighty on our behalf before this year comes to an end. We thank you that 2022 is going to be a year of divine possession. We'll hold it in our hand. What we've never held, we will hold. It'll be ours. Do supernatural things for your people, Lord. I pray for all those that have been writing in that are in need of a miracle. Lord, don't let this month come to an end without their testimony in their hand. Bless them. Touch them. I lose healing virtue to them, even now, by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord. You are great, and you are greatly to be praised. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to reveal and manifest your presence in our lives. You know who the faithful are, Lord. I pray that before November ends, that we would see the manifestations of Christ in our homes, in our bodies, minds, finances. We thank you, Lord, that the best days are ahead. I pray for those that have ministries. I pray that your ministry would supernaturally explode by the power of God in impactfulness, Fruitfulness, let it be the best end of a year their ministry's seen. I pray for those that have businesses. I pray that your business would explode in production. I pray that it would explode and be extremely fruitful and blessed, that you'll see more sales, that you'll see more clients, that you'll see more contracts than you ever have before in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for those that are struggling in their families, Lord. I pray that you'd restore marriages, restore relationships with children and grandchildren Bring families back together in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. And if you receive it and believe it, somebody shout amen, throw some fire and hands in the comments section, let me know you're standing with me and that you're believing God for a miracle. Listen, on this Friday, I'm doing something different. I'm not going to ask you to sow a seed, but I would ask you, if you'd like to be a blessing to Carolyn, be a blessing to Carolyn. You can do it on Cash App, her name, at Carolyn Shuttlesworth. I've never done that before, but I feel to do it today. We're going to bless her. She does so much in this ministry. She's always behind the scenes working. And on top of working, she's also teaching three kids. On top of teaching three kids, she's also doing all kinds of admin work. She's always taking care of them. I mean, she, she's not just a hard worker. She's anointed. She's preaching. She's teaching. She's traveling. God's been using her. It blows my mind, uh, to see how quickly God has increased her over the last two years. I'm so thankful for her. And if you'd like to bless her, you're welcome to do so. And, um, she is full of fire, Liz. I agree. (laughs) I'd like her. She's got another book in her spirit. I'd love to get, see her get that book out. She's got so much on the inside of her to bless this generation. I know how much she loves you guys as well. So if you'd like to bless her at Carolyn or dollar sign, I should say, Carolyn Shuttlesworth on Cash App, you can send her something just to tell her you love her. Today's her birthday. She's 29 years old. I met, married her when she was 14 and uh, she she looks great and she's holding and holding and holding. She'll be live with you at two o'clock PM today and um, it's going to be great. You don't want to miss that one. I love you guys. Don't forget. Um, the brand new uh, kids content is out on the subject of David we're doing a character studies brand new students uh, podcast episode available there's so much for you to get involved with now listen we've got uh, the brand new magazine for the new year is going to be coming out I'm dropping a word for you regarding the new year for this new magazine. It'll be the biggest magazine that we've ever done, the biggest edition that we've ever done. And maybe you're watching and you've never subscribed to receive our magazine. You can always go to MiracleWord.com forward slash live and you can fill out the form to receive uh, your copy of the Miracle Word magazine whenever it's released, which is quarterly. And um, we'll send that out to you if you're in another country, you'll get the digital edition of that as well. And so as the new year is coming closer, um, we're going to be, we're already preparing uh, the new year edition where I'm gonna be giving you a word on divine possession for the new year. And we got all kinds of new stuff for you to show you. It's gonna be great. So if you'd like to get it, make sure you sign up. I love you. Have a great, powerful day. And Carolyn will be back to see you at two o'clock. See you later.